0: Thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Kern, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. I have a wonderful guest to share with you. Oh, she is somebody who has many facets to her life. Her name is Missy Gibson. Hi, Missy. It's good to be with you today.
1: Hi, Diane. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so excited. And now I'm going to share a little bit on Missy. She is a Detroit native living now here in Los Angeles. She has spent most of her life as a singer, songwriter, and touring musician, so she's been all over. She performs now with more than one LA band, a band called Reach, one called Nellie Bly, and a traditional Irish pub band called Patty's Pig. In fact, what I'm going to do in the show notes is I'll share with you the best way to reach her for those online so you can get the scoop and maybe attend one of her shows. Now, Missy knew early that she wanted a family and that life on the road wasn't really the most conducive choice to that. So what she did here in L.A. is opened up a children's clothing resale store called Grow Kids Grow in 2009. She's an avid thrifter herself with a good eye for fashion and vintage, a love for people and a desire to serve her community. And this proved to be a perfect fit. And she's had a ball doing that. Missy soon realized that her favorite part of Grow Kids Grow was styling kids. And styling kids, oh, my gosh, I want to talk about that in a moment. That's going to be a lot of fun because kids have their own ideas about about what that means, right, Missy? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So she soon parlayed this into styling women as well. And love that opportunity. She loves helping women look and feel their best by encouraging them to find and express their own personal style, which ultimately exudes confidence and well-being. So as a result, she took on something else. She reps the L.A.-based women's fashion line, Cabi, C-A-B-I, which serves as a great tool for her trade. And you can reach her to kind of take a look at that at her website. I'm going to spell Missy's name right now because it's part of her website name. It's Missy, M-I-S-S-Y. And her last name, Gibson, is G-I-B-S-O-N. So you go to Missy Online and Cabby is C-A-B-I, then O-N-L-I-N-E.com. And I always spell things out because listeners, if you if you can hear it, then you can maybe remember it and scoot along. But again, all of this will be in the show notes. So you have Lots of ways and interesting ideas for reaching out to Missy and getting her creativity, her musicality, her styling. We have so much to talk about. I'm so intrigued. As you listen to yourself describe, (laughs) does it bring anything to mind?
1: Life is rich. I feel really blessed and honored to have you know as many irons in the fire as I've been able to have. I have a lot of energy and I love people and I'm just grateful for all the connections and amazing relationships that I've been able to have.
0: The way you say that is so perfect. You talked about really life in the sense that all that you do is part of who you are and the opportunities that you see and sees every day. And I'm always intrigued. You know, we both live in Los Angeles. I call it the the land of many talents. Indeed, So many people come to Los Angeles with a dream and that dream may be clear as a bell or it may be a little unformed. Mm -hmm. It may even get redirected along the way. People come here thinking, I'm going to be on the big screen. I'm going to be a film actor. And they show up and lo and behold, suddenly another challenge of theirs happened and they become a chef or they discover that, you know what, it may take a little bit more grit and gritty commitment than they were planning to give. They thought it happened faster. So along the way they discover some other aspects of life And they surface talents that they never expected. I'm wondering, when you came to Los Angeles, did you find any of the surprises that are typical here? Or did you just kind of go for the thing you were after and you got it and that was it? I'm intrigued with your journey.
1: I was really lucky. I got a record deal. I had a management company out here. I refused to leave LA, I mean, Detroit to move to LA for quite a while. Um, So I was living out of a suitcase for over a year, but you know, and it it was an amazing, it was an amazing trip. It was an amazing, you know, just, but you know, I was this Midwest girl and I came out and LA was a big place, you know, and I was, I was staying in fancy hotels and going out to nice meals. And of course I had no idea this was all recoupable (laughs) Diane through the record company.
0: Tell Um, me what that means because not everybody knows that piece of the business.
1: Well, when you get a record deal, you know, they do wine and dine you quite a bit and uh, spend a, quite a bit of money on you, make you feel very special. But all that money is part of your record deal, which you owe back to the record company ultimately. So they're keeping track <laughs> of all those expenses and those literally become your expenses once you're signed to the deal. I mean, fortunately yeah. or unfortunately for me, I ended up uh, walking away from the deal. So I never really had to recap <laughs> I had my cake and I ate it too, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, but yeah, LA is a big place, and for like a Midwest girl, like I said, it was a uh, it was quite the road, you know. It was, it was really it was amazing. I loved it, you know. Um, I was really again yeah. really grateful for those experiences and those times.
0: Well, it sounds like you had a combination of your dreams present, but your feet on the ground. Such so that you looked at the deal that was being offered and said, "Hmm, I'm not sure this is for me." And that takes something. Not everybody has the presence of mind to look at something and kind of get their grounded view of it and not just their, oh boy, doesn't, doesn't this feel good and taste good and look good. And, right. and, and you kind of brought those two aspects of your dream and your groundedness together and said, hmm, let me take a look at this more carefully and closely, yeah.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. It was quite- Good the learning- for you, <laughs>
0: good for you. And these days, of course, those offers and opportunities may not be as plentiful as they once were, because nowadays in many arenas, whether it is in performing or the arts or acting or music, there are and even publishing and, and writing and books. There are a lot of people who do it the independent route. In other words, they start something on their own and they make their way and build their reputation without a big organization or an established company behind them that may not be an easy thing to do but Mm -hmm. it it can be appealing because it gives you maybe a sense of more control so now you're involved with a few different bands and so do you have a big say so and what that what's going on there is that kind of your baby that you kind of direct along the way
1: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a songwriter and my husband is actually in all three of my bands with me. Um, we started out as musical partners a very long time ago and we were best friends. We would go on double dates, you know, and life is about timing. And then one day it just became apparent that, you know, we had this very special bond. And so I'm fortunate to work with him. I mean, he's he's a multi-instrumentalist. He I, He plays many, many instruments. He's a gifted songwriter and singer. So I just feel really, really lucky to, to have that connection with him and be able to continue to make music long after we, we've met so many years ago we've been working together for so many years and now we have children together and but we still are able to you know play music together so I feel really lucky and I feel like you know he and I are kind of a, a good team so we, we we lead musically quite well together when we have other musicians who are working with or I think capacities we're working within.
0: How great. So one multi-talented person met up with another multi-talented <laughs> person. And all these years later, you're still exploring the facets. And it it's a reminder of how important having people that care about you and love you in your life, you know, right there on your journey with you.
1: hmm Yeah, that's been amazing. Yeah,
0: for sure. So we're going to talk a little bit about a wow and a whisper that you were kind enough to share with me. And I wanted to share with our audience and ask you a little bit more about that. When I asked you to share a wow, you said very simply and very powerfully and profoundly that you lost your mom when you were 26. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear about that. And I'd also like to hear about, and you can kind of jump back and forth. There's a whisper that is very profoundly related to this, that your mother whispered to you. She, you said she always whispered in your ear that you could do anything you wanted to do and be anyone you wanted to be. So it sounds like you had a very profound relationship with your mom when she was with you.
1: Mm-hmm. I did. I did. Yeah, she was a really amazing lady, very creative, very warm, and just loved life. To, very zealous, like liver of life. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from my mom. My mom also had her down. She was manic depressive, bipolar. And so there were a lot of ups and downs, but those ups were incredible. The downs were a little harder for me. Those ups are the, what really has stuck with me, you know, since I lost her, but I did lose her at 26 and I took care of her. She had a disease called pulmonary fibrosis, which is a degenerative lung disease, hereditary. And it's kind of like cystic fibrosis. And so she died at 56, very young. She died of more complications of the disease. So she was, you know, a special ed teacher. She was teaching up until May and she got pneumonia and that was, in, and by July she was dead. Um, it was pretty shocking. And I did take care of her during those times. And I was grateful for that. I was the only kid left in Detroit and I was taking care of her. So we grew even closer through that, I think. And, and it was invaluable. and. Yeah. And, you know, when you ask for a wow, I was trying to think of like some really positive wow, wow, you know, but sometimes those, those, I don't know, those moments of, you know, sadness or perspective are really wow moments too, you know, and and it's just really the first thing that came to me. And I try to think of something more positive, but there's positive things certainly that come out of it.
0: Thank you for having the courage to share that. I really have it that the word wow is a word that can land in a certain way. In fact, it doesn't really, for most people, even have a definition. Right. In fact, it's been around, by the way, the Scottish, uh, it showed up in the Scottish culture in about the 16th century. It's been around in, in, in written form in a way that we know that word existed. Mm-hmm. But the definition is, is almost in the moment. We know when to mm-hmm. say it. And you are right. We can say, wow, when we're excited and we can say, wow when we are profoundly moved and sometimes deeply saddened or stunned. It can be a stunning experience such as you described. This was not something you expected. It wasn't something you could foresee for a long time. A mother with a lot of energy, energy that sometimes was difficult for her to manage as so many people have uh, loved ones or maybe in life where they're grappling with some of the issues that having a bipolar situation can create. I think most of us know somebody who's, who's really been impacted. And yet it reminds us how precious life is. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like one of the wows was how your mother and you through those moments became even closer, even more deeply connected. And that is a wow mm-hmm. of a different kind,
1: isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. You put that wow. Well. Yeah.
0: Well, you now have the opportunity to carry forward the legacy of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that, you know, having the opportunity to know you, as I've been getting to know you, having the opportunity to see how much you look to contribute to others' lives, the work that you do in every arena, whether it's to bring song and The excitement of musical inspiration and the vibration of sound to people, or it's to style people, so that they can be the person that's seeking to get out and out into the world. Mm -hmm. You really do look to make a contribution, Missy. I've noticed that about you.
1: Thank you. No, I, I, I realize. You know, I think about like what you know. You try to recreate yourself as you get older, and you become a mother, and all these things, and it's like what do I want to do? And all I can ever get back to is connect. I want to connect Mm -hmm. with people, whether that's through music, whether that's through styling them. I I just love connection and I crave it. I do. I really do.
0: So tell me about styling, because that is a word that means a lot of different things. In fact, there's a slang version of, oh, that that guy's really styling and that woman is so (laughs) styling. Like, what is that? Like, that's an interesting word. It It can mean something about their personality. So Tell me about that word for you because it, it feels like it's, it really has a way to help you connect with people too.
1: Oh, sure, sure. I mean, I just think it's exploring the essence of who you really are and how you want to be perceived to yourself and to the outside world. And it, it, it's an art, it's, it's an art and it's something that you, you know, you have to kind of experience and, and play with and you have to be very open to it as well. I just love helping women look and feel their best. I mean, I, it's so fun for me and I, you know, I do rep cabbie, but I'm also a big thrifter, as I mentioned. I love vintage clothing. I'm a huge vintage fan. So I love taking kind of all those pieces and kind of putting them together and, you know just playing helping somebody just kind of experience like who they are and feel really good in their own skin, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense.
0: Well, we live, we're blessed to live in a time and you see it through your thrifting and your vintage interest. You see that there have been many decades with different styles Mm -hmm. that look a certain way and say, oh, that's very 60s, that's very 50s That's Mm -hmm. very 80s. And even going back to the 40s and, and earlier. And yet when you are beginning to work with somebody, Cabbie has a little bit of a, aesthetic that from the outside seems I could call it clean and modern and somewhat elegant and sort of pared down like they really sort of take the essence of the things that they want to present and they put them forward in a way that you could say is pretty current pretty up to date so how do you work with that with say maybe older pieces I'm intrigued with do you put those together ever for people
1: oh absolutely absolutely I like cab because it's not trendy per se, and they do okay. use a lot of vintage patterns, very classic mm-hmm. vintage patterns, which I am a huge fan of. I mean, because it is, ti- you know, it's, it's not trendy, it's timeless as well, which I really love. Mm-hmm. I love kind of combining different different looks and, you know, a vintage jacket with maybe a cabbie dress or, you know, and then some high boots or I am not the most tr- traditional dresser. You know this about me, um, Diane. And sometimes people joke, they say like, oh, you're, you do cabbie? I mean, you just don't see because they, they joke that I'm the cabbie rebel because I'm not headed to cabbie. I love the, I love it, but I'm, I'm open. And I, I think everybody should be kind of open Just there's so many, there's so much beautiful clothing out there, you know, that we can embrace and, and, and pair together. As a, um, a cabbie rep, it's like, Again, it's just a great tool for my toolbox, and I love the brand. I love, too, how it's clothing designed by women for women's bodies. So inevitably, it looks so good on women, you know? And I, I love it when they put it on and say, oh, my gosh, nothing's looked this good on me. And I couldn't even wear jeans before Cabby. So I, I really appreciate that they know women's bodies, and they know, you know it's not men designing our clothing, which which happens a lot, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, And men are just shaped really differently than women <laughs> t- typically. Um, yes, they are. I mean, cool. sometimes as we get older, we end up with similar shapes, but it's intriguing to consider the idea of a woman designing clothing, thinking about all the things that we contend with, not just in terms of fit, but even the way we carry ourselves in public, the way we Sort of tug at a skirt or tug at some mm-hmm. pants, and oh, mm-hmm. that's not feeling really comfortable across my tummy right now. <laughs> so it it sounds like you appreciate that they are really into whoever they are. Yes. they're into. I sort of pulling out the word classic. That is a great word mm-hmm. that bridges different time periods, doesn't it? it oh, absolutely. It's like,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like you can't classic a, has a classic
0: piece. Like it stood the test of time, right? Absolutely. It's it's still good after all these years. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. I I love that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when you are when you are styling somebody, is there typically something that you want to know about that person that gives you a an entree into what's gonna work for them? Like the whole process of discovery. I'm intrigued with that must be a part of what you do.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. I mean just like with music, with musicians, I think it's really important to get to know somebody. Like, I can't just go into a rehearsal with a musician I've never met and just start playing. Like, I, I want to know about them, you know, who, tell me about yourself. Who are you? Like, what? which some people get irritated about in re- rehearsals because you're supposed to be rehearsing. It's just like, but I can't possibly play with somebody and connect with somebody in that way if I don't feel like I know who they are. So that's mm-hmm. an important part, just that getting to know you Like having a talk, like looking at somebody's closet, you can get a very good sense of who they are or who they think they are or want to be for that matter. And they kind of find out where that, where that lies. Like, so that's kind of a big part of my process. Just that connection with such a window with a closet is, is wonderful to start with. Sometimes people are very direct. I have a client who's quite young, but she has a lot of older clients And she said, I I want to be taken seriously. I know I look young. I look even younger than I am. My clients are older. I need to really find some kind of style that's going to help me have people take me seriously. That's an important piece. That's a really important piece to tell me that we can move in that direction and still kind of maintain who she is, but also kind of give her a little bit more... um, confidence and a little bit more taking herself seriously and appealing to um, an older more experienced clientele yeah
0: that sounds great that another bridge between generations between groups of people and this idea of connection which you mentioned is so you are so passionate about and you also said that you would love listeners to know something that isn't true for everybody and that is that you love people
1: <laughs> I do I really do. <laughs>
0: What is it that you love about people? I'm intrigued because not everybody has that going on for themselves, or maybe they haven't let it rise to the surface.
1: Yeah, you know, my husband always jokes with me that I go into Studs Terkel mode. Tell me about that. Yeah, I love Studs <laughs> Terkel. He
0: was a writer who was very kind of gutsy, right? And kind of, oh, yeah, like yeah, a journalist. Man of the street, yeah, man of the people, kind of hanging out with whoever was in the local neighborhood, right? Now, where was he from originally? Do you know? I don't know. I I, should... I, th- I think of him as a New York writer. I was gonna say um, East
1: coast I... it, like East Coast sounds correct to me,
0: but I, I don't wanna I could I could be wrong. Oh, isn't this yeah. terrible? <laughs> he was certainly a strong writer when I was coming up, but this kind of this guy who could talk to anybody and would talk to anybody. So so your husband says Okay, you got some studs turkle energy going on here, Ms. Yeah, yeah, he always just
1: talks about how I go into studs Turkle mode. So wherever we are, like we're at the airport, we're you we're at the grocery store, we're you know, wherever we are. I often will meet somebody or start talking to them or, you know, certainly at like a social gathering where you're supposed to talk to people, but I'm always just really intrigued. I I like to know about people. I like to talk to them. I like to know what makes them tick. I find it incredibly rewarding and interesting and it gives me energy and I just, I really crave it again. That just, that connection. And (laughs) so I do, I love people. It's another reason I own a store. Because I get to talk to people every day. And they come in and I get to find out about them and their children. And again, very, um, very rewarding for me. As the singer in a
0: band who's on stage, you're right there with your audience. You're, yes. you're not in the recording studio most of the time. You're out there, though you yes. may go in the recording studio. You, you are a live performer.
1: I am. I love. I'm a very nervous performer, to be honest with you. I've always had really bad stage fright. To the point where, you know, sometimes like, am I always, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to, you know, do this next show? But I always think of this analogy, like, you know, once you hit the ball, you're in the game and you just run, you know, and that's kind of, so once I can get that first note out that, you know, then I'm okay. But it's just that kind of that buildup sometimes can be kind of excruciating. Even now, after all these years, like I still kind of have that, but at the same time, I, I really... I really crave it, you know, I really crave performance, but it's, it's kind of this double-edged sword sometimes because I do get really, really nervous, really nervous. Well, you know, you
0: remind me of something I only recently learned the real meaning of. <clears throat> you know the phrase, break a leg? Yeah. Now, break a leg is something that actors will say to each other mm-hmm. before a performance. Mm-hmm. And it comes out of the days of stage performing. And what it meant was, that as, as people may know, when you're uh, on a stage, the audience sees the stage with curtains on the left or the right. And usually there's a few layers of curtains mm-hmm. because there's different places where entrance or exits are going to occur. And what, what happens is before it's someone's turn to enter on stage, they are behind the wings, they're called the wings. And one mm-hmm. of the good luck, um, we'll say wishes, that early stage performers would give to each other, would break a leg meant we want you to get visible. We want you to literally have a leg on stage. We want you to be seen and come out from the wings because then you're going to get paid for that, for that performance. If you you don't break the wings and we don't see you, you don't get paid. So break a leg. We we wish you to, we wish you to be, be invited on stage or brought on stage such that now you're going to have uh, a paid performance you're going to get all of that it so it's interesting to think about the difference between being in the wings where people can't see you yet yeah this is true for musicians as well as for actors and then suddenly oh there you are and right. there's there's no going back unless you somehow run off stage in tears <laughs>
1: right right that's that's really interesting i love those little <laughs> stories when you hear those it's always so interesting like wow that's cool
0: and many people who are many decades of experienced performers will say, I still get that moment before I go on stage or before I begin singing or before I start performing in whatever way. It's like, Oh, I don't know if I can do this.
1: Right. Right. I was nervous for this today. I was very nervous.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> just- You know, I'm, it happens. It does. It's like, and why do you think that is? Is there something that kind of, is there a thought process or is kind of more of a gut check or free, everybody feels it or experiences it a little bit differently?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know. what it, It's just that, that feeling that just kind of rises up, you know, when you have this, mm-hmm. sometimes I call mm-hmm. it next nervous thing because I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have all the things that I'm going to get nervous about. And I don't mean that badly, but like today it's like, okay, next nervous thing, my interview with Diane. Okay. I have a cabbie show later today. Next nervous thing. I'm going to, I've got it, you know? So it's like getting through those little (laughs) nervous. So I kind of sometimes think of my life and I I know that sounds really negative, like next nervous thing, but I do think of my life sometimes in terms of next nervous thing. Like what's the next, but there's always a reward for that nervousness. It's not just like it's nervous and it's, it's, it becomes something good. It's just like that buildup.
0: You know, you so got to write a song with that title. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to hear it. (laughs) Next nervous thing. Yep. Yep. So can I, can I share with you one of my next nervous things that I do? Yes, please. Because you know, I, I anticipate, I do a lot of public speaking and I'm in the public a lot like you. However, when I do podcasts, I think, Well, I want to be sure I'm ready for my guest. I want to bring my energy. I want to have a wonderful conversation. I know they're going to be great. They're perfect. So what I do is I always get out my information. So I'm sure I have how to reach you. I'm sure I have it in front of me in case I need to spell your name because it may be unfamiliar to people.
1: Right, right.
0: And then I have what I call my green room list. I have a series of things where I set alarms for a certain number of minutes before the interview. So I'm ready. And I have now done it enough times. Let me clear my, the frog in my throat who occasionally shows up, the frog is like, oh, Diane, you're going give away all my secrets? How can that be? <laughs> so the little frog in me says, <clears throat> if I'm doing an interview where I'm gonna be seeing the person, you know, or we're gonna be videoing it just because yeah. we wanna see each other. I have the lighting to get ready. I have to position the sound I have to make sure that my software is working right I have to make sure that I'm fully available I have you know I have on whatever outfit I want to wear so that you know I look semi-presentable yes yes Uh, and I do all these things as if I were in a green room for say a television performance and so uh, you know preparing for being ready to go on stage even though what it is is it's a computer or it's a tablet or it's a phone or whatever it is right so I have this little process and what it does is it gets me thinking about what there is to do instead of eek what you know who I am and Uh what I'm thinking
1: right so that's
0: that's my that's how I deal with my next nervous thing is okay what is there to do yeah
1: (laughs) that's that's pretty smart because I I think I tend to wallow in it a little bit so that's pretty smart it's good advice
0: well, I yeah. think we all can wallow in it, even if it's just for a split second, you know. Yeah. And when I'm speaking to a group and I'm leading tours, I have to put my microphone on. I have to make sure they can hear me. Yeah. I have to make sure it's actually in the on position. And so there's little things to be done. Right. And then I, I, I notice that they're all like, if I'm, if I'm going to lead a group, they're all standing around waiting. And yeah. I do a little mic check with them and I check in with them and I just smile at them and you know, maybe say a little hello to one or two, yeah. or can you hear me, or I'm going to jibber-jabber. It's yes. a funny thing. People like to be sort of in on the preparation. Right. So I, uh, you're sharing this is so great because so many people in life, even if it's someone who's, let's just say they're going to a job interview. It's like, oh, next nervous thing for sure. Going yeah. to a job interview. Is my tie on straight? Do I, you know, are, are my shoes looking good? Am I, yeah. you know, do I have lipstick on my teeth? Whatever it might be. Yeah we tend to we tend to get, oh my gosh, a little judgy
1: about that to ourselves, don't sure, we? Like, sure. And we're way more judgy with ourselves than with anybody else, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and then somebody else comes along and you re- notice their tires crooked. It's like, oh, okay. So they're human being human being. That's fine. They can have a crooked tie. I'm right. okay with that. I still right. I still want right. to talk to them. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly.
0: So you're making all of our listeners far less nervous now by sharing this. <laughs> and kind of opening up this conversation that says you know cuz you are a very experienced performer and you know something that is it okay for me to share another musical interest you have that is not necessarily the type of musical performance you're doing these days it starts with the letter o sure opera yeah you are a long time fan and you studied opera early on. So you're one of those people who's super prepared and really educated yourself. Talk about your mother saying you can do anything you want. Wow. Not everybody thinks that they can ever even approach that very particular world of learning how to sing opera.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. That takes something.
1: It was an amazing experience. It really was. And um, I mean, from the time I was really young, I had this really big voice. And, um, and I always love to sing. And I remember when I was in seventh grade, the teacher one day said to me, I'm going to move you to eighth grade glee club because your voice is too big and you're drowning everybody out. And (laughs) I was, you know, I was a little embarrassed, but I was also kind of honored. But of course, then I went to eighth grade glee club and they're kind of like, what is this seventh grader doing here? You know?
0: So I really had to
1: like, you know, kind of earn my stripes. And, you know, I, I eventually did, but you know, I always just had this this huge voice. And I mean, sometimes people would get irritated because, you know, I would, I would drown people. I I never meant to. I I did a lot of solos. So, you know, at one point it was just kind of like around the time I was about 13, 14, I guess 13, it was brought to my mom's attention. You know, she really needs a vocal trainer. She really needs to start training. You know, she has this big voice and she can really do something with it. And so my mom, um, who's also a musician, my mom was a, um, a pianist. And a very good musician. And my mom was very happy to help me down that path. You know, she would always help me with auditions. We found uh, a teacher who was an opera teacher because that's such a good basis for learning to sing. No matter what you're going to sing, for me, I did 15 sets in three days over St. Patrick's Day weekend. And it's an hour on, an hour off for 10 hours straight. I don't lose my voice. Like, knock on wood, but I don't lose my voice. Like, I... I can, I can do that because I, I've had this training. That's just kind of innate at this point in my life. Like I, you know, but I don't think it would have been had I not had that training, you know, that training was just invaluable for uh, my future.
0: So opera trained you not only for the sound of your voice, but for the, can we call it the dynamics, the inner process of knowing how to work with your
1: voice? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the whole breathing obviously is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Learning how to sing over your cold. That's a big one. Um, Ooh. Wow.
0: That's going to be huge. Do you get a different voice when you have a cold? Is your voice slightly sounding different or can you find the the
1: same sound? I can find the same sound. I can. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: is a real skill.
1: (laughs) There, There was one, just one time touring years and years ago um, and I remember I lost my voice, and it had never really happened before, and I was just, but I could sing just fine. I just couldn't speak. So it was really weird. We did this interview, I remember, on the radio, and they're interviewing <laughs> us, and here I am, i talking, I can't even talk. And then we would go to perform. I mean, obviously I tested this ahead of time because I'm like, if I can't sing, we gotta can- cancel the interview. But I could sing just fine. I just couldn't speak. It was very strange. <laughs> well, that is a wow right there. I've never heard of anybody being able to
0: do that. Do you have any idea of what how it felt what what
1: it was that you were finding inside you that gave you the ability to sing i don't know it's just a it's a different thing you know maybe if I had taken speaking lessons as opposed to singing lessons, I would have been able to talk as well despite having lost my voice. Do you know what i mean i, I don't know it's It's a strange thing to think about but And and unfortunately, it only happened once. But I still just remember that being so strange, just being almost like my my voice came from somewhere else. That I, you know, again, this innate sort of thing that it came from somewhere else, and uh, I was able to overcome it and sing perfectly normal.
0: Isn't that amazing? And clearly, all that training and all that the, the the inner dynamics, the intricacies of the physicality of singing. Yeah, It's really something to do 10 sets and you just did that. And here you are, you still have a voice. You're, you're, you're not taking weeks to recuperate from that.
1: Right. Well, I'll say 10 hours. So one hour on one hour off five sets. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: yeah. a lot of singing. <laughs>
1: it, but you know, one every day for three days. So,
0: oh <laughs> yeah. my Lord. Yeah. That's the, so what it, that's, that's like 15 sets over three days.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, my gosh. So good thing you started out with that big voice as a little kid. You had a lot to work with.
1: I did. I did.
0: (laughs) Well, this is really remarkable. I'm going to stop here for a moment, take a little bit of a break. I'm going to come right back. And we're going to, as much as I'd like to talk forever, we're going to finish up real quickly. We'll be right back with my guest, Missy Gibson. So stay with us, listeners. Thank you for being with us on WOW Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. Today, we are pleased to feature the National Women's History Museum. It's an online institution preserving women's history and working to establish a physical museum in Washington, DC. Founded in 1996, the National Women's History Museum is a nonpartisan, nonprofit 501c3 educational institution that's dedicated to preserving, interpreting, and celebrating the diverse contributions that women have made to society. By the way, you can reach them on womenshistory.org, the website, or on Twitter at women's history. Now, on Mother's Day weekend, two decades ago, a group of women dedicated themselves to moving something out of the U.S. Capitol's basement, it's known as the crypt, to its rightful place in the Capitol Rotunda. It was the Adelaide Johnson's Portrait Monument to Lucretia Mott, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Susan B. Anthony. You may have heard those names before. The statue is more commonly known as the Women's Suffrage Statue, and it memorializes pioneering suffragists and first arrived at the Capitol on February 10th, 1921. Five days later on February 15th, it was unveiled in a ceremony as a gift from the women of the nation to the people of the United States by the National Women's Party. But the very next day, the portrait monument traveled outdoors down the Capitol steps and through the doors into the crypt where it remained for nearly 76 years. Why is women's history so important? Because women's contributions and accomplishments for the most part have been overlooked and consequently omitted from mainstream culture. The National Women's History Museum will help fill that void. Rather than rewriting current exhibitions at other history museums, or having to decide what to omit elsewhere to fit in women's history, the museum will serve to place women's history alongside current historical exhibitions. Women's history isn't meant to rewrite history. The objective is to promote scholarship and expand our knowledge of American history. What a fabulous mission. Thank you. We are back. I'm so excited to be with all of you and if you're just joining us, we are talking with Missy Gibson, who is a wonderful rock on tour. She is a storyteller as well as a singer and a stylist and somebody who brings out so much in the people that she loves. She really wanted everybody to know that she loves people, she's passionate about connection, and let me add the third piece of it, she says, I feel grateful every day. I do. So Missy, tell me about feeling grateful every day.
1: Um, I just, I mean, I feel like, like it's a gift in a way because I'm just one of those glasses half full kind of people. And I always have been. And not to say that, you know, things don't get really hard and that there's struggles because there are struggles. I still wake up every day Feeling very grateful for my life and for my family and my friends and all the time, I kind of reiterate it to myself a lot, like as I'm driving or as I'm walking or as I just think, like, "Wow, life is just so good." You know, we're so lucky. We're so lucky to have this life. So um, again, and I know that's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a gift because not everybody has the ability to do that. And um, mm-hmm you know, people I'm close to don't have that ability. I wish I could give it to them because it's, it takes you far. It takes you far for sure. Yeah.
0: In fact, you snuck in a quiet little wow right there. You said, wow, I feel grateful every day. So a wow (laughs) can even be a whisper. Right. And how blessed you are to have that whisper always there with you. I feel grateful today. I feel grateful today. Mm -hmm. How extraordinary. I've noticed about people that As you walk down the street or you see people in crowds or you're sitting, you know, maybe in a cafe, observing them. Some people are walking around interior. They're, they're really inside. There's an inner dialogue that's really strong. Some people are just kind of like what you say. They're like walking around with the gratefulness, sort of jumping out of their skin to the point where it's like, they might walk up and say hello to you. You know, (laughs) they might, they might, you might do exactly that. You are somebody who approaches new people with a smile and, you inspire people to smile back. Hmm,
1: I try. <laughs> it doesn't always work. Well,
0: not everybody has the smile to give, but they may have the smile inside. It's just not showing up on their face. I've noticed, you know, because you and I are in the public a lot. I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but sometimes the people who are frowning the biggest, and maybe they have their arms crossed and they're just standing there. Maybe at the end of your performance, they're the ones that come up and say, Missy, and they're still looking pretty yes, serious. Yes. Boy, that was really something I, I'd like. Can I ask you a question? Can I Can I share with you something? And they're still frowning away. That is so th- true.
1: That is so true. You just nailed that. That happens all the time, you know? And it's always just in your thinking like, oh, that person, they just can't stand my music or they can't stand this cabbie show or whatever it is. And it's that very person that comes up and wants to connect with you. I that, you're yeah. right about that. You've had that happen, obviously.
0: The, yeah, and yeah. they're, the, they're, the, they're the, art lover, the art lovers. When I do my art, I like, oh, I want to talk to that person. Oh, let's see what that person has to say to me at the end. You never know. Yeah. Be- what I love is that you have inspired them to share that inner desire for connection because you're somebody who's wearing a big, invisible, but beautifully neon sign that says, I'm available to connect with you. And right. lo and behold, they right. feel safe enough to come up and say, Gosh, I I want I want to share something with you, Missy. And yeah,
1: I, lo- you I make love I love that
0: possible.
1: It yeah, it's my song. I'm as a songwriter, I am very introspective, and I am my songs are, are dark. A lot of my songs are quite dark, and so mm-hmm. people are always really confused, and they say, "Oh my gosh, like I didn't expect like your mu- your music is so dark. Your songs are so emotional and and and." it belies your personality. People tell me this all the time, you know, especially people who haven't seen me and then they come and we've all been through a lot. We've all, and I feel like music is my place to put that. And maybe that's why I feel grateful every day, because I have a place to put those things that are hard and that have yeah. been painful. And I just feel like, thank God for that. I feel if I didn't have that musical out with that, I'd be like the lady pushing the cart down the street. I really would be. I know that. But sometimes it's those moments, you know, and, and music is its own language you know so sometimes you know somebody comes up and they'll say i lost my mom too or you know what i mean they'll hear they'll hear something in the you know and my song my my lyrics aren't even that obvious but again it's that kind of that unspoken language you know they'll just feel that they'll feel it and they'll come up and they'll want to connect over that i again I, i consider that such a gift to be able to connect with people on those very deep emotional difficult levels
0: You've reminded me about something that may be another take on this, because I'm, I'm getting the whole vibe of Irish bands. And there is a band called the Dropkick Murphys. Uh-huh. And they are out of Quincy, Massachusetts. I'm from Boston. And they're kind of dark, you know, they're always kind of yelling in their songs. And they're intense. And it's like, you know, they're yelling and talking about fighting and all this but I love listening to their music because it's high energy. It brings me up. I want to hear more. And it's like, I almost don't focus so much on what they're saying, but how they're saying it and the energy of it. So it's intriguing that you're reminding me of the power of music to be even more, we'll say 100% around the circle, 360 degrees around of happy words, sad words, angry words, passionate words. But the music and the musicality of you Mm -hmm. sharing that really speaks to your audience. And and they come up to you and they Mm -hmm. say what they say or they feel what they feel, even if they don't quite, you know, the first time you hear lyrics, you don't necessarily catch them all, right? Right,
1: right. No, it's really more than that. It's it's those, like you were saying, like how it affects you. It's the yeah. intricacy and it has, you know, it may be the lyrics, but it's, it's really deeper than that. And that's what I mean about like kind of that language of, of music and, you know, that it, it's a, just a different, it's a different level of connection. It truly is.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, I could talk to you forever. You are... <laughs> You are such a great connector and conversationalist. I want to share with people a few ways that they can get in touch with you. The first is we talked about styling and, and really your passion for bringing out people's energy and their vibrancy and their aliveness and their creativity. And how you can reach Missy online It's com to learn more. And there's plenty of styling tips there as well. So you can learn a lot, that's a great way to reach her. And then also, if you want to reach her musically, you can go to breach.net, B-R-E-E-C-H.net, or P-A-D-D-Y-S-P-I-G P-A-D-D-Y-S-P-I-G.com. So at least three ways to reach out to Missy Gibson. You have been such a delight. Is there anything you want our listeners to be thinking about as they head out to their day or their evening after our conversation today? Just enjoy life. Well, that's a big yes. That is a big wow right there. Enjoy life, embrace life. How fabulous. And clearly, Missy Gibson does exactly that. Thank you for being with me today, and thank you for being with all of us today.
1: Thank you, Diane. Thank you for having me. You are wonderful. I'm such a fan, and I'm honored. Thank you.
0: Ah, uh, off we go into the wild blue what a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering as we complete this episode i invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences i wish you the very best until we meet next time